Thank you so much for listening. In this conversation, Fundamentals and I talked about building regional Bitcoin embassies, we speculated about the future of the Lightning Network, and we answer our first listener question. If you like our content and would like to support the show, you can listen using an app like Fountain FM and stream us sats while you listen, or you can send us a boostagram with a message. If you're a Bitcoin miner and you're feeling generous, you can contribute a bit of your hash power to us using any Lincoin stratum address with our show's username. That's Rock Paper Bitcoin, appended with whatever worker name you choose. I will, uh, I'll include the connection details in the show notes. Once again, thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Recording now. All right, well, I guess we can actually start the conversation then. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, <clears throat> this... The- the Bitcoin Park is an incredible. Like when you think Bitcoin Park and Bitcoin Commons in these places, I'm I'm so in awe of the fact that they, like their existence is a testament to an incredible success. That uh, have you been to any places like that? No. Bitcoin but when spaces? I think like I spend a lot of time thinking about how to stand something like that up and what it can mean, and. Mm. The you know I so I feel like I appreciate at least on the low end the amount of energy and um, support and network effect that it requires just to get it like literally to put it in existence is pretty remarkable and it's like it's just it's something that obviously is so great and everybody would want but it's not the kind of, it's like it's like the old lighthouse yeah you know? it's a classic economic example of you know nobody wants to build the lighthouse even though everybody benefits from it Mm. it's very difficult to get it built we'll just say right bitcoin embassies i mean right it's going to be an open source collaborative thing among people in a local area to put together a bitcoin embassy like like bitcoin park or the bitcoin commons i was i visited the bitcoin commons when i was at bitblock boom last year and it's it's right on sixth street so i mean it's it's right down the way from uh, rogan's new new uh comedy mothership it's it's right in the downtown austin area it's it's amazing but then it's like a strong i saw it on the map yeah it's a it's a little it's a kind of a hidden stronghold it's uh on the map so i knew where to walk from the hotel to get to it but then i got there and it was just office buildings so i walked into the bank on the corner and was like hey i'm looking for the bitcoin commons like oh yeah go go over here and uh, take a left and then go up the elevator to this floor and it's it take a left it was a it was a whole thing to get into it that i was unaware of but yeah, it's kind of like like kind of speakeasy kind of feeling. Um, yeah, looking at it on Google Maps, I can see there. Uh, there's one angle on Google Maps looking up at the Bitcoin Commons in Austin where you can see their uh, in neon "Fix the Money, Fix the World" sign. But yeah, other than that, it's kind of a kind of a little hidden embassy off the map. Well, it's on, it's on the map, but you got to know where to walk. Do you ever think about how many companies were built because just there was some. Um... There was some little place, some little room that had like 10 computers that had an internet connection that had, you know, Unix, um, you know, sort of Unix setups, 
Yeah, it I had just, the right resources available. I just think just if you literally had 10 computers that had reg test environments that had a test, you know, that test net environments and you had these, um, I mean, literally that would be, an, that would be sufficient to incubate, um, you know, incubate Bitcoin startups. If all it was, was that that's, I mean, as somebody who has kind of struggled to create reg test environment on like my nodes and my computers and things like that. Like once, I guess once you do it, it's super easy, but like it's a big mountain to climb to figure out how to actually set that up. Mm -hmm. But if you have that readily available that in a way where people can save their work, (laughs) you know, and um, you know, they can have some continuity and um, you know, the way I envisioned it for something like that was you would literally rent, you would stream sets you you know you stream sats out of your own node to access the space and the resources and this is like a second or third level uh, level accessibility area like I'm I'm imagining something yeah. more that that pe- people would go to ask the questions about how to get set up with the wallet to begin with to, to then be able to stream sats for services at some future point yeah so it's like there's this yeah there's like this level zero of this sort of noob entry you know. <laughs> Here's a physical mm. location where noobs can take a weekly seminar, right? And how to get set up, and they'll have all the like they would have all the tech there, right? It's like here's how you know yeah. tonight we're gonna Look. show you how a cold cart gets set up. <laughs> right. So like a couple weekends ago, I I did a PowerPoint presentation for some locals on yeah, the the introduction to Bitcoin. Here's your here's your 101 course, and uh, it was it was interesting, but it like it I kind of learned quite a bit about how I will present it in the future. It was an interesting group of re- really uh, kind of older folks who weren't quite technically savvy. Uh, so we kind of decided to approach it from the gold. Like they obviously understand the utility of gold, so we approached it from that angle. Um, but yeah, I learned some lessons. Like yeah, Because we don't have like a local area, like a local place, Bitcoin, local Bitcoin embassy that people can come and ask these questions. Okay, so yeah, we're trucking out to places whenever they want us to talk, and we'll take... A projector with us and we'll give you a powerpoint presentation and answer your questions um but yeah. it would be so much easier to have just a local a local yeah a bitcoin embassy where people like this is the place where you come and ask questions kind of like a library uh totally like a li- libraries used to be more of a kind of a public good than i think they are now at some i mean they're kind of socialist at this point but yeah I, so bitcoin I've, been look, is a, I've been looking forward to talking about this presentation i've been looking forward to you doing it right and mm-hmm. I've been looking forward to talking about it. I'm, so I'm really, can you describe the physical, so just, can you describe the physical space that you actually went and did this in? It's like, where where did you actually go to do it? It was, so it was a small coffee shop. And in this coffee shop area, there's a collect, like a, a group of local business owners that all, they all meet regular, semi-regularly. I don't, I don't know the frequency, but they've definitely met before this. This wasn't. So it's a general like some, meeting. It's definitely like when, if I were to have shown up to it, I would have told myself this is a place definitely where people meet to find out stuff, but, but probably I mean, not. It was just a coffee shop. Yeah, yeah, they get it, but it's a place where you show up, you get coffee, and you meet. It's definitely a public meeting space. For sure, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, cool. And the, yeah, this was a uh, pre-existing group. It wasn't like we uh, like crowdsourced a group of locals being putting up flyers or anything. This was a pre-existing group that asked us to come present. Um, 
but yeah, it was so local local business. Like there was a florist down the road who can't who walked up, and uh, they've had other groups. Like I think their last presentation before uh, before ours was they had a local ham radio operator come in and talk about like it's kind, they're kind of a prepper group, but yeah, they're they're interested in becoming more sovereign in as many dimensions as possible. They said they also had a group, uh, a lady come in, a, a Mormon, and talk about food preparation and storage, long-term storage. And so, yeah, stuff like that. So they, they asked me to present on central bank digital currencies and Bitcoin. And then also we had another one of our local guys, uh, Agrarian Contrarian. Yep. He's a local farmer. He, he, ch- he chatted about uh, privacy options and... He, I mean, he's a local business owner. He has a farm and he has a farm store that accepts Bitcoin. So he talked about being a small business owner and accepting Bitcoin at his store and the direction of things. And it, yeah, they, they asked, they asked, they, they were all, most of them were small business owners. Um, and yeah, they, they asked some pretty intelligent questions. We, we handed out all of our pamphlets and the, uh, it was a slide deck of about 25 slides that I was expecting to go through in about an hour, and it ended up being about three hours yeah, total. It was a great deck, by the way. I mean, I, it was a really detailed... Oh, thank you. Really detailed, great deck. And, um, right, I mean, I, I remember looking through it and thinking to myself, there's no way I could improve upon this. Like, it's just great. Um, other than the fact that, yeah, in my mind, I'm like, this is definitely not going to go over with noobs for strictly an hour right it's gonna... it's difficult yeah how, how much can you strip down to make it approachable by by people yeah that slide deck was i started that back in 2014 I, w- I was still at penn state working at the it department and this was part of my like as so i i i was a manager of the uh like the student help desk in the basement and then at some point my senior year they moved me upstairs to the actual um, IT department and I was their intern and so for part of my like as because I was interning and they had to give me actual like an intern project to do they had me do a presentation and I I was majorly into Bitcoin at this point so yeah I built a uh, this this slide deck was based on a 2014 or 15 slide deck mm-hmm. that I that was the one I gave the student body and very different numbers and pictures and images were on that original slide deck so I've just been eventually yeah, I updated it to 2023 version yeah. So, how did the, so what was the general? What would you say was generally the outcome? Was it like move the needle? Was it like we radicalized people? <laughs> so it was a group of about maybe 10, 10 12 people. Um, some of them I saw their eyes glaze over. One of them, I mean, it, it was it was a whole range. A few people like were orange pilled and came over and like after they were asking very specific questions and. Um, one of one of the uh, them actually joined our, our meetup group or our uh, telegram group and uh, so nice. like, so a very varying level of interest um, a few of the ladies were interested like they're, they're it seems unlikely that they're going to start acquiring sats but they were very interested in talking about the fact that he might not accept dollars at his farm store right. at, at a later point this year so he was ta- he talked through the process of well I'm gonna have my co- like if my customers, don't themselves have Bitcoin, then I will have them use the Strike app to that they can use dollars and pay pay my Bitcoin inv- invoices with Sats. So he talked through that. They were interested in that. They were interested in um, helping propagate. It's like they're very uh, like they're they're old ladies, but I mean there was a very uh, like freedom-minded, independence-minded old ladies who are in- interested in helping out the future. 
Yeah, I got to tell you, man, my view of old older females has definitely morphed in the last five years. Um, maybe it's just that I've seen the sort of the OG protective side and the capability now of older women. In, they come in all shapes and sizes. Like in the various like freedom type of groups that I participate in, you know? Yeah, when you find a based old woman, there's few things more badass. Pretty much, dude. Yeah, so I can definitely, and maybe that like it's a harder, um, like it's harder to get them to act because they're they tend to be more protective, mm-hmm. right? And it's so it's just a matter of patience and continuing. I think to just push out your conviction, right? You know, I was I think about a meet it like a meetup like that, and like man, if you could, if those things could happen in a physical space, like a a Bitcoin library, right? It's the you know the credibility, and I don't mean like credibility like should I really, you know, uh, would <laughs> would society trust this? More like can a person actually visualize this thing being real in the world, right? It you know when you put them in a space that has already been through, like, uh, well, maybe years of preparation, capital accumulation, right, decision making, and um, is presented now as a real space where Bitcoiners live and work, right? And you, so you know you just bring people there, and in that moment they're already seeing the world this way. Yeah, similarly to one of the most useful ways to to demo bitcoin for people is to have install a wallet for them and then send them some sats and it's like oh it's it works there's there's no you don't there's no squishiness about it it's a network that actually works we just demoed it yeah similarly to that uh, yeah having i think having a physical space devoted to it is immediately evident oh, oh there is there are a, a group of people in my local area that have taken this serious, seriously to the point that they've devoted this level of resources to it so yeah that's immediately immediately credible in a certain dimension. You know, especially like when you think about the scarcity of things now that exist in a brick and mortar, that like I would say our society has morphed to now only um, the bar for value add to occupy a brick and mortar, you know, brick and mortar space. The bar is higher than it's ever been, right? Mm-hmm. So seeing that there's brick and mortar space and it obviously isn't a legacy and held over from, you know, thousand, you know, 50 years ago. Right. This is clearly something that is new and recently deemed worthy of having this space, having this scarce kind of brick and mortar presence that mo- many of the important things that exist in people's lives don't have a brick and mortar presence at all. And maybe it's also like this idea of Bitcoin being this magic Internet money, but it's actually occupying brick and mortar space right Mm -hmm. that contrast that tension you know might just just be enough to have people lower the you know just lower one more fiber of defense to realize this is actually real and could apply to them in their life and like there's a place they can come back to even right just to play around with things and to talk to people and to ask questions you know the library it really is a library that's how i've always seen it right I've, and maybe it's it's not a public library, right? But it's a li- yeah. it's a library that people probably would pay to access. Certainly, like 
business builders would pay to access it, and there's probably a reason they would want to noobs to be able to access it for free indefinitely, right? Something I could see that I could see it working that way, right? Yeah, the co- the cost to entry is doing the mental heavy lifting to realize that you want to enter. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, like just this morning. I'm like, I'm like a slogging through uh, bolts. If bolts are the basis of lightning transactions. They're like, you know, they're like the specs, technical specs of how like lightning works. Uh, right. Very okay. kind of dry stuff, right? But as I do it, I imagine it's the, 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 these bolts are like documents I would expect in a law library, right? Like in the fiat world, they're, they're, like a law library has all like the rules of how transactions work. Right, and you would see stacks of books in leather-bound, you know, volumes, and you open it up, and it's all out like just these big nested outlines, right? Rule one, subsection D, right? Subsection, you know, and all these just—it's basically all the rules, and that's essentially what this is. But I, just, I accessed it on a GitHub, right? But um, you could see wanting a place where somebody could just check. The, these documents out and build a, you know build code around it um, I'm got my eyes open looking for something it's like we're, we're living yeah. through the commercial real estate collapse right now at some point something's gonna become available and I'll like got to be in the right place at the right time with the right mindset yeah agreed and, you know maybe this is a use of dry powder right I mean mm-hmm. I guess you always have to judge everything against just stacking bitcoin with dry powder but i think uh a library in a local area and i don't know like how many of them do there need to be probably you need less of them than you need whole foods right but more of them than you know probably more than one per state right it's definitely something that people are going to be willing to travel for I mean, once you yep. once you have that fire lit in your mind, you're like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go where the answers are that help that I'm looking for. So yeah, people will travel for it. And it's like I think it's kind of it's kind of I mean, you travel quite a bit to come over to the central center of the state here to meet up to do our meetups. And like, yeah, I've similarly I've I've gone out I've gone further than I normally would to attend meetups in the satellite areas around where I'm at. It's just it's a thing that people are willing to do. I think over time as as the information just becomes more ubiquitous, people aren't going to have to travel as far just because it's going to be it's going to become more commonplace. And every it's like at at one point, yeah, people in in historically people would have to travel hundreds and hundreds of miles to find a to find a college where they could study or find a library where they could absorb a higher level of knowledge. And it's <laughs> that world has fallen down to the point that okay, well, Bitcoiners, we're going to build our parallel system, and that includes physical meet space locations where people can come and learn about the technology. Yeah, it's you know what's interesting too. I was I don't know who said this on what podcast this week, but they were saying that like yeah, the Bitcoin center of the world five years ago were New York and San Francisco, and you do hear about all those bit devs and every everybody that came out of those bit devs, and nobody mm-hmm. nobody lives in those two cities anymore and they've you know now that it's austin and nashville and that um it's just really interesting right to see how quickly that can shift right and how quickly right. all of a sudden you can just pop up a bitcoin city because enough people move there and build a, just a building it, maybe because bitcoin itself is a decentralized protocol that yeah it's 
it leans itself more to uh, the grassroots phenomenon, people like springing up their own Bitcoin area. Um, and yeah, like, so as people are fleeing the repressive areas of the country, yeah, they're, they're going to take their ideal. So Bitcoiners are going to be the, they're going to have their uh, fingers to the wind and probably flee before people that are paying less attention are going to flee. But I mean, yeah, they're going to take their Bitcoin ideals with them and like they're going to pack them into their uh, Oregon Trail wagons and, and go out whichever direction they're going. Yeah, I guess I should have mentioned uh, like El Salvador or El Sante in that conversation too, right? It's just so how quickly it popped up. As and Bhutan a, now. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the, the concept of jurisdictional arbitrage, I think, like, pe- people fleeing to where the freedom is, I think is just getting started. <laughs> that's, that's going to accelerate as, I mean, as CBDC is rolled out, like the iron, the iron fist of the law is going to grow tighter and people are going to flee that. So I'm opti- I picked where we lived very specifically. I'm optimistic that where we live is going to do pretty well with the world I see coming, but maybe not. I mean, there's, there's always a chance I'm wrong there. And if so, I've got to be flexible. Yeah. I have these visions, you know, I, I think about like, I mean, I'm not going anywhere any time in the next couple of years, but like, you know, probably won't, you know, probably move somewhere in the next, you know, three, four years out. I mean, and, uh, okay. It's probably, <laughs> I definitely should want to visit Nashville. I mean, that would be a place where you would have, it's not just the, t- you know, it's not just the physical space. It's the people there. Right. I mean, you have, mm-hmm. if you're looking to build a Bitcoin business, right. You want to get capital, you want to, I mean, you could, I could I could do an eleven hour drive or fly every once in a while, right? Or you can kind of be in a hub like that, right? Co-locate with like-minded individuals. Yeah, I mean, and there's the other way to think about it, which um, Thomas Pachia, right? Who's the guy that opened um, PubKey, the PubKey Bar, in New York, mm-hmm. among other. <laughs> he's got like eight Bitcoin jobs, um, but he. He owns PubKey and he talks about like, you know, he's like, I could move. I could have opened my bar in Nashville or Austin. And he's like, fuck that. I, I'm a New Yorker and I know it's enemy territory, but God damn it. I'm, you know, I'm putting my, you know, it's like I'm putting my stake down and this is it. This is what I'm going to, I'm going to defend this space. I think that's an yeah. interesting way to think about it too. I feel similarly to, to that mindset. Like I, I picked here, like I picked our, my locations specifically and like I'm, the Bitcoiners will present themselves. I have low, t- low time preference enough that yeah, I'm not what I want to build. I can build virtually on the Internet and the things that I need locally, like those things are going to present themselves. Um, it's not going to happen overnight, but like look, looking for uh, like looking forward, I'm going to have to find some sort of schooling for my offspring that I'm OK with ideologically. And right now I haven't found that solution, but I'm confident that in the time frame I have before that has to be solved. We're talking. I mean, as Bitcoin continues to propagate, I think I'm. I think it's likely that that connection will present itself, and that problem will solve itself. Yes. Just given time. So yeah, it would solve itself faster if I located myself where the Bitcoiners are now. But I mean, there's people all around, all around us that aren't Bitcoiners that are like they have the Bitcoin mindset. They just haven't figured out that they're Bitcoiners yet. It's like, and as those people wake up and activate, like we're we're gonna plug in and we're gonna we're gonna collaborate. Uh, I, I live where I live because of school, not not the public school, obviously. But I live where I live because of um, you know the school that my kids got to go to. Um, talk about bitcoiners who don't know they're bitcoiners. Um, 
you know, they're it's they were friendly to basically anti-government types and I think they got a little weak during COVID, but they're still, you know, it's still better than um, better than pretty much any alternative. And there is a community of people who believe in certain type of medical care, believe in certain type of way to school your kids, right? Sure, and I mean you've existed in that system for long enough now that it yeah. How, to to yeah it doesn't make sense to jump ship and try to rebuild at this point. However, I tell my so my youngest one is starting high school and you know i say to her all the time don't be surprised if i decide i need to homeschool you like that's i think (laughs) self-custody homeschooling is basically the self-custody of education and Mm -hmm. um, i think you can do it within a community of like-minded people right but it's it feels like that would be the thing i'd be most prepared for right now if i had a if i had a toddler you know, um, mm-hmm. I don't think that I, I don't think I could rely on a 15 year future of any organized school that currently exists or system. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't have any confidence. In that. And looking around, I mean, I, I've, I see places that have similar value structures to me, but yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly that. I have, I don't have any confidence that they're going to exist long enough to uh, for it to matter so it's like something's going to present itself like there's going to bitcoiners are going to fix school and education as long as like, fixing the rest of the world that school is part of that my kids though even though they don't know it either they're bitcoiners without knowing it and i've already like i really have thought through their talents and you know my older one is going to get a math degree it's almost like there's nothing anybody can do about it right <laughs> um and my whole like for the last 15 years, I mean, I don't homeschool her, but I've like very active in her education. And, you know, you know, I study myself for, I've always studied something for three, four hours a day. And I've always been thinking about how to, you know, what should I put in her math curriculum? And now that it's been Bitcoin and lightning for the last year, it's very clear, like uh, discrete math and graph theory and, um, you know, this is like now where to build. Um, I was talking to her this morning. I was like, somebody has to do the math. And Bitcoin is loaded with engineers, right? Who build. But, you know, Satoshi did the math. Okay. He did the math on like Bitcoin itself. In other words, what do I mean by that? What does a mathematician actually do? Boy, we didn't think we'd get into this at all, but I'll just, what does a mathematician actually do for the most part? They are the stewards of the basic set of assumptions and first principles. And I think they are the ones that ensure that everything that's being built is being built upon something that can hold the weight. Um, Now, a lot of people probably think an engineer does that, but I think an engineer just kind of understands what the mathematician has said. And yeah, I would agree. I would say engineering is downstream yes. of, uh, of mathematics. They're capable of understanding why the constraints that a mathematician might say exist, right? But it's like they're the sort of the keeper of the first principles, right? Like you can trust all this, right? You can go, bi- you can literally go build to your heart's desire because I can, I, you know, I have determined these relationships are all you know, generalized to the, to this limit, 
right? And they can, you know, a mathematician can say, this all works within this domain. This all works as long as you don't exceed, you know, X, Y, Z, right? Mm -hmm. And they can kind of place the boundaries on when you, where you could just build infinitely, right? A lot of people don't think about that in the world, right? Or in Bitcoin. But, you know, somebody, like I said, has to do the math. And then enlightening, my God, right? In terms of thinking about how does a person with no eyes see the nodes around them, right? How does a privacy-focused network, right, allow, you know, enable through gossip and message exchange of, you know, very encrypted. And it's interesting that Lightning is totally encrypted, whereas the Bitcoin network is totally unencrypted, right? It's just an... It's like these interesting contrasts, but like, how do you take a, how do you take a system that's get trading encrypted messages back and forth and building a graph, building a map? I mean, and that is basically something that a mathematician would do. And in today's day and age, in two thousand twenty-three, right? Maybe not so. Uh, there may not be a lot of money in that, right? But when you have, you know, there's five thousand Bitcoin on Lightning. I would. Say, uh, you know, in 10 years, there could be 5 million Bitcoin on Lightning. Could be more, right? <laughs> why so yeah, Why so bad? It's definitely going to definitely trend upwards. Yes. The, so, uh, so, yeah, you shorten, you can shorten payment routes. You know, you could be, it could be the difference of a billion transactions a day versus 2 billion transactions a day, <laughs> right? Or something like that. You could be, you know, as it scales, right? You're going to, it's going to make a monumental monumental parabolic difference in people's ability to use it right so not that we were going to totally get into that it, you know this lightning thing i have to say it's like it's hard right i was listening to you on pod 256 and that was awesome right i actually loved loved hearing that it messed my mind up because i listened to it like a half hour ago and i feel i was like thinking to myself boy how's business guy I could do the podcast in a half hour when he's on this thing right now <laughs> because that's how I, I listen to podcasts like I'm in the room in real time you know mm, mm-hmm. but uh, one of the things just that I just want to pick at pick pick at not in a bad way or anything it's just this reality that you guys discussed that lightning is difficult um, you know it's tech it's not difficult but it's technical and it's downstream and it's definitely not on people's even technical people it's not on their list of things to really learn and well, I mean, it's a it's 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 not a one one course. It's like a two oh one course or a three. Yeah, maybe not a three oh one course, but yeah, it's it's downstream of having to learn the main net for sure. Absolutely right. So it's definitely not going to be the first thing people learn, and it's not even going to be the second or third thing, right? Mm-mm. And it shouldn't be. However, right? However, the fruits. I can tell you as now somebody who has slogged through. You know, I'm going through the bolts now. I mean, that's just like how much I've convinced myself that there is gold in understanding, really understanding how lightning works. I believe lightning is the thing that makes, um, it's not even Bitcoin. It's what makes people who want to be free, it, it's, what it'll make, it, it's what allows them to be absolutely unstoppable. Um, and the problem is I it's hard to talk about this without... It's just some of the basic, like, understanding of how lightning works, you know? Mm. But I might mm-hmm. just try to give an example with, and maybe challenge myself to communicate this without any of the technicalities, right? Okay, okay. 
Okay. So um, in Lightning, you know, you know that somebody sets up a payment channel with another person, right? Sure. So I open a channel with you. That's right. So I, yeah, you either you open a channel with me or I open a channel with you, right? Let's pretend mm-hmm. you are the are a farmer and I'm a guy who, as I talk about every episode, I just want to lock in my price of eggs, <laughs> right? Okay. I just want my eggs and my milk and my ribeye, right? And um, so, and you're a value, you're a value provider, right? Because you produce something that I want to buy with my money, right? Um, so I might open a channel with you, right? And what I'm doing is I'm committing, um, I'm, I'm committing a certain amount of Bitcoin to our relationship, right? Mm-hmm. I'm committing the, the hardest money on earth to our relationship, right? I guess it depends if it's a private or a public channel. If it's a private channel, I'm committing all of the money. You'd be committing all of the money directly to our back and forth. And I would say let's pretend it's a private channel for the for the discussional purposes of I don't I don't intend to use our relationship for routing or any other use. Right? It's strictly okay. so a private a private channel. It's literally strictly to um, kind of solidify the relation you and I your yours and my relationship, right? Okay. Okay. As trading partners. I have what you want and you have what I want. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes. Now, the way lightning works without getting technical at all, right, is that so that this starts with me making an on-chain transaction, right? I commit, let's just say I commit one Bitcoin <laughs> to our right to our channel. Okay. And I do that so you, we, on-chain. You have a channel of 100 million sats on your side right now. That's right. So I have an on-chain transaction that is a two-of-two a, a two multi-sig between you and I, okay, right, that um, any of us can close at any time. And mm-hmm. in Lightning, there's this thing called the Fairness Protocol. It's the, So I would say if anyone's going to Google anything, right, just Google the Fairness Protocol and just understand how you – it is thought out, and I'm pretty sure it's been thought out at – even at Satoshi's level, how this would work, right? But there's a set of incentive in play, incentives in place that make it unlikely that partners will rug each other, even though they can, okay? The way, the way it works in Lightning is nobody actually hands any money to anybody else, right? Once I make this transaction, you and I have a common understanding of the state of the channel. And at day zero, I have 100 million sats, basically coming to me if we close the channel and you have zero, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if for some reason I decide to pay you a million sats for something, right? I don't hand you a million sats and it doesn't flow through a channel or anything like that. What actually happens is I give, I give you a new on-chain transaction that you don't, bro- you don't broadcast, but you can, right? And it just, we up, it's like an, up, it's like a uh, amendment, to the agreement that says now it's 99 million sets, mm-hmm. right? Is back, is on sure. my side. And it's literally, it's, right. right? So it's almost like we are uh, using chalk on a cave wall, right? To update, except I'm actually handing you a transaction with my, that's already pre signed, like with my cryptographic uh, signature, right? So I'm giving you complete con- kind of confidence, right? in your your ability to eventually get that money from me, right? 
I kind of I, I like to think of it as like a bar tab that you're updating throughout the night, and then at some point you're going to settle that tab out. It, exactly right. Now it's so money doesn't change hands. Is the point? No. Right. Right. Yeah. These, these are IOUs back and forth. We're not even we're not really transacting, and so it's, instead of like, so the, what I would want to get out of this channel would be eggs, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So you basically are on the other side of this channel saying. Um, yeah, I'll, you'll provide me eggs, milk, and like a ribeye every week for 10,000 sets or something, whatever it is, right? I haven't done the math to figure out what this is, but... Uh, sure. Well, it depends on what each person is willing to pay. Whatever it is, right? And um, so it could... Like, so just in a physical form, in a physical illustration, right? I show up to the farm. I scan the QR code that updates the lightning, you know, updates, you know, it gives the, it gives the ch my channel partner a new state of the world that he could use to redeem, right? Close the channel and get his sats and all that. Mm -hmm. And um, perhaps that unlocks my freezer. I know you hate this. <laughs> like, that actually unlocks my freezer. And then there are my, there are my eggs, my ribeye and my milk. And I go home and, you know, do the same thing next week. Now this this farmer, you, right? You might have you might have twenty customers that do this, right? So you have twenty times whatever everyone is kind of posting and locking up, right? So you you can show that to a lender and say, right, I have X amount of Bitcoin committed to what I provide for the next six months or for the next year. I have, it's not guaranteed income, but it's like strongly implied by the incentives to have this relationship and the money, there's no counterparty risk because it's already posted in channels on on-chain agreements. And so now, you know, the farmer can go get a chicken coop or, you know, he can borrow the money now upfront to actually expand his business and, um, so there's, there would be a third party that would be viewing the channel states and, and extending credit based on the channel states? Potentially. So what I'm saying is this is a... So at the very basic level, you have this primitive of cooperation. Um, I call it annuity. Okay, right? Where you, you know, you give somebody a bunch of money and they agree to convert it into some stream of income back to you, Right? In this case, that stream of income that you are giving back to me is in the form of eggs, milks, and steaks, right? It, it sounds very much like you're describing a current, what, one of the current situations I have with a local farmer. I mean, I, it's called the CSA. Yes. Like the, it's a, so, so at the beginning of the season, I, we came to an agreement and I set, sent them X amount of sats for X amount of food throughout the rest of their growing season. It's, I mean, it's not like I'm going up there and scanning a QR code like each time. It's like I am previously committed and I can just show up and take the food, take my share. Absolutely, right? And so that's, it, I think I modeled this in my mind off of a CSA, right? But I started with this question. I really started with this question about an annuity, mainly because that's my business and that's my life's work. Um, mm -hmm. We've talked about it a lot in the past. But like viewing it as a primitive of cooperation, um, 
you know, a Bitcoin transaction peer to peer is a primitive of cooperation, right? It's like a way for enemies to cooperate with, you know, press of a button and a quick agreement, yeah. right? It's trust is built into the network. You don't have to trust your counterparty. Like it's value for value, right? Um, there's a lot of things in fiat that people are trying to jam into Bitcoin, right? That I mm -hmm. don't see value in. Um, right? We are a culture of middlemen, and everybody is trying to maintain their middleman career. However, this uh, idea of an annuity to me is a structure that to, is a road that is needed that I think will. I believe in a, a way, basically a way for somebody to take a amount of Bitcoin today and convert that into some amount of it in the future, right? Mm -hmm. It's a primitive, it's like another primitive structure that like an on-chain transaction, right? That can be done through Lightning and that may actually, like there's no annuity in the fiat world that really pays in anything other than the thing it was bought with, right? Really, right? I like the CSA example, but you can really formalize it, right? And make it technical and make it trustless. See, in the CSA, these guys are still trusting that you're... Like, they put a bunch of bags out. They got one with your name on it. They're trusting that you're only going to take the one with your name on it, right? Mm -hmm. They're trusting, mm -hmm. you know, they trust that you're going to um, be a recurring customer and all that. And, you know, you're trusting them a fair amount, right? So, like, these, it's good. We still have relationships based on trust in the world. But anything you can do to remove the slightest degree of trust in in how we go about our lives, right? I feel like is has value. So a primitive structure like an annuity that even might just remove a little bit of trust that, that's already there by using the native properties of Bitcoin, right? And Lightning. And Lightning is the fairness protocol. The It's the Lightning protocol. Just enables, um, I mean, it's essentially enables what a bartender would do without having to trust drunk people <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's impressive the number of things that lightning already has enabled and i mean yeah just the fact that it, i mean it just clearly evident by the gears turning in your brain yeah and who could lightning stop it? who could like you could you know there could be csas for things that are questionable to the government right but yeah who could right. stop this structure like who could stop like i make an on-train transaction and then it's like literally open season for us to change hands like essentially in perpetuity right we're talking about a shift in general society i mean like th there was a point when i mean whenever things in your local area are going to a point to a, in a direction that enough of the people don't like well people would would form like local posse groups and go and perform vigilante justice and that has largely been outsourced by federal federal justice and federal muscle at this point. But I mean, that's I, I predict things are going to swing back in the first direction. Like, yeah, I mean, there there's totally the opportunity to have a uh, a, a weed CSA or a heroin CSA or <laughs> pick pick your material that is currently frowned on by a large percentage of the population. I mean, they kind so, of yeah, I mean, already right. exist, don't they? No, they they absolutely already exist. But I mean, you're talking about like. Lightning enables more trustless versions of these things. I mean, yeah, I mean, th there were what the Texas Buyers Club was a was a bunch of people that just grouped together to buy um, cancer uh, medication at or, or what no AIDS medication at discount. Yes, I mean, so like they they didn't have a uh, 
the Lightning Network to enable a more trustless version of that. They just had to trust each other that we're all, we all have a common goal and we're moving in, the, in a common direction. So yeah, these sorts of structures have existed and will continue to exist. And yeah, they were uh, the Lightning Network facilitates all types of market economics, whether whether or not you agree with the. Uh, you, the, whether or not these market econo- market activities agree with your personal uh, ethical standards or not, it's like, and that's going to, I, I think the society we're, we're going to move into, people are going to have to become more clear where their personal ethical standards lie, and like, what are you willing to do about it? Yes, and it, you know, the thing that I guess maybe excites me, honestly, the most, of it, even though it shouldn't, <laughs> is the connect, the potential connection to the physical world in commerce here as well right like the fact that i could you know i am the only possessor of my secret so that i'm the only one who can create my pre-signed signature of to support you know to move a lightning channel right to change the status mm-hmm. of the lightning channel and that can be used in the physical world to potentially you know make the difference of whether i have physical access to what my channel partner is providing or not I do think there's yeah. like that has huge potential, right? You don't have to enter, you know, where you don't even, you don't have to interact with anybody. You don't have to trust any, you know, even pleasantries or you don't have to trust anything. You don't have to trust that a person's going to be there. You don't even, you don't have to trust anything in, in a certain value for value relationship. I think that's it's obviously going to be important as the world is not a uniform place. There's areas areas of the world where if you're living, obviously a uh, a farm store that's like yeah pay like on the honor system pay what pay for what you take. They just that kind of standard can't work in an urban environment because of just the difference in uh, the trust the local trust in an urban environment versus a rural environment. Yeah. So yeah, it's like having the light lightning network. As a, as a tool is going to open up things that previously, I mean, only existed in, in high trust environments. Those types of services, goods like uh, are going to become available in less high trust environments. Just with the added, uh, you got you got to operate through the Lightning Network, so you don't have to trust your counterparty. Correct, and you, so you're, you we're using cryptography that we already know. Well, it's not that we already know, but it's certainly been tested for 13 years. The, well, our nodes know the cryptography, yeah. and each of us trust our node or our wallet. Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, you know, I think that the type of the level of um, security needed to um, secure a UTXO, you know, is obviously going to be far higher than the level of, say, security needed to be able to access my eggs. However, <laughs> the starting point for that is still pretty damn high, right? And we know it's going to work, right? So it's just a matter of, is anyone going to be incentivized to build to build these things? You know, So when I talk about this idea to Bitcoiners, they start thinking, well, okay, well, I could see this working in a neighborhood, but has the scale to the world. But I feel like you got to get it going, prove, you know, prove the case. Somebody, I mean, it's like, how did Michael Barber decide that it was a good idea to build... Um, you know, encasements for S9s, right? You just started trying it out, I guess, and did a demo. And, you know, now everybody wants it, right? Yeah. I mean, it was a thing that it's like, what do, what do I want? How can, yeah. like, what, what, is a, what is a thing that, I, okay, I want to make my miners less noisy. It's like, so, yeah, he built something for himself. And, yeah, if, 
if you find value in it, chances are somebody else is going to find value in it. So, yeah, I, mean, I think it would be interesting with, as you say, one of our, our Bitcoiner friends who does own a farm. I think this would be an interesting experiment to try to pilot just to see who the heck who does take Bitcoin. Now, the other thing that this is this type using lightning like this makes us resilient to are douchebags who decide that um, that something is worth is so worth paying for on the chain that fees go up to, you know, 600 sats per V-byte, right? Editorial content aside, if you're in an arrangement like this with a farmer, it doesn't affect you, right, at all, because you're already op- you're already open to Lightning Channel, and you're just going to continue business as usual, right? So you're resilient to you don't have to even get involved or get emotionally involved in oh I don't like this thing, you know, <laughs> I don't like what's happening to the Bitcoin network right now, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. It doesn't like it totally doesn't matter. Right, so I think so it makes were you more were you forced to yeah. uh, were you forced to make any on chain transactions during the? Uh, I mean, we're, it looks like we're no. coming out of the high fee environment that we had. But so, so you didn't make any on chain transactions? No, did not. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't either. All of my I staged, commerce, I staged some, and then when finally they got down to forty sats per v byte, I staged some at forty sats per v byte, and I'm like, they're never going to go through. Just curious, right? Because <laughs> I, you know, um, I wanted to do some mixing. Mm-hmm. And then they find, yeah, they, you know, that's the beauty of also of like say Sparrow or these other tools like that, where you can just, you know, you can say this is the price I want to pay, and you don't have to be forced, right? If if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you just, you know. I mean, and you know, it's very early in Bitcoin. I don't think too many people are forced to use chain right now, mm-hmm. right? I mean, unless you're like. Your whole life revolves around your whole life revolves around Bitcoin or something. I guess if I had money on Binance, I would have felt compelled. <laughs> I'm doing like shit. Better get that shit into self custody. I pay whatever I have to pay. I guess right. Yeah, a lot of the centralized exchanges are still operating only on the main layer, and I mean, in that situation, I mean, for I mean, I've been operating on Bitcoin for years at this point, and I was completely unaffected by. Yeah. by the current fee, high fee environment other than making my mining way more profitable like literally twice as profitable yes um that was like cool as see. far as my economic activity like uh, all my lightning channels are are already open i so i just okay i don't need to use the main chain currently and yeah there's there's going to be people that still like they need to get their thing through but like that's that is a high time so, so you need to get it through right now you can't wait for fees to come down a little bit okay well unfortunately that means you're going to have to pay the uh, the fee that in the system that you're currently choosing to operate in. Yeah, I just, I think all of these people who use the chain in the last two weeks, like a, almost 100% of them are priced in fiat and don't care. You know, they don't, it just doesn't, you know, they're priced in an unlimited asset and they don't, they just don't see it. You know, I considered, I have my hosted miner right through River, you know about that. Mm-hmm. It hit a milestone that I did want to move it and, um, you know, it was like, I didn't want to pay, like, it was like an 80,000 sat fee if I did want to move it. And I'm like, God damn, you know, I, so it's like, th- well, before all this happened, that's like two and a half days of mining, right? <laughs> With an S19. I'm like, fuck that. Although, if I was priced in fiat, I would have said, no, that's only a couple of bucks, whatever. Let me just do this. I want to do this. Let me do it. Right, and so I think I think most of the people making decisions are priced in fiat, anyway. I'm imagining if I had, 
so, so currently my Bitcoin stack, like the US dollar equivalent of my current Bitcoin stack, like if I had that amount of dollars in a bank right now, in an account, like what amount of it would I would I be willing, how much of a haircut would I be willing to, to take yeah. to get access to have like actual final custody over my funds? And I mean, like, okay, a hundred dollar, a two hundred dollar fee to to get my stack yes. into self custody. Like, yeah, I'd be willing to pay that. You would not care. So, I mean, I, that's right. Right. Yes. There's there's plenty of situations I could find myself in that I don't. Yeah, it sucks that I have to pay a high fee, but I it, like I the the thing that I'm paying for the getting my sats to the location that I desire is going to be a higher pri- is going to be a high priority than paying a couple hundred bucks for a fee. You're pricing fiat, and that's why it makes sense, right? Yeah. Like, I, well, I mean, even even pricing things in Bitcoin, uh, eventually the utility of a transaction is going to be higher than the cost of that transaction. Right. But you're so you're coming from the perspective like of somebody who doesn't, you know, right? Who doesn't have any Bitcoin. This is like a person who doesn't have any water is going to choose a glass of water over a diamond, right? But yeah. after you get that first glass of water, you'll choose the diamond, right? Right. Like the and value the, proposition after the first changes time, greatly, right? After the first time I had to pay a $200 on-chain fee, I would be incentivized to find other ways to interact inside the network and pay smaller fees. Absolutely right. It's kind of like when I first bought Bitcoin, accepting the the fee, the exchange fee. You know, And I thought to myself, yeah. well, this is the price of uh, sovereignty. You know? and I just kind of said that to myself, right? Well, I mean, like to, the price to interact with any third party is like you have to bake that into your mind. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I be, so I think that everyone who who's participating on the main chain in the last two weeks, right, are generally people who don't view Bitcoin as scarce, right? Which is, you know, you're you're not you're probably not priced in Bitcoin for yourself if you don't view Bitcoin as scarce, right? I mean, there it's largely people minting like these new uh, BRC twenty yeah. coins, isn't that right? Okay, so you're right. I mean, what? So these whoever is like minting these these tokens, like they have a higher desire to have this token than however many sats they're paying to get that inscribed in, onto the chain. Yep. So yeah, I don't I don't agree with that, but like, I don't I don't agree with a lot of economic decisions people make. That's like what totally. that's that's. I, but I'm, yeah. I guess the point of Bitcoiners can just say fuck it, I'm gonna wait. And it just also tells you how early we are that there's still, it's like people from another land, like travelers, essentially, who find who find this thing and find utility in it and will just don't even see the value mismatch, right? Mm. It's like f- people still get paid so much in fiat, right? Um, you know, that they don't, like, it's just a different, <laughs> it's a different view of the world from Bitcoiners. It's like, I, I have a friend one of my close friends and he works in Silicon Valley and you know, he gets paid so much more. Like he gets paid obscene amount of money. We go on vacations and you know, thousand dollars a night at a hotel is like nothing to him. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> it's not nothing to me. He's like, Oh shit, I forgot. <laughs> you know? So it's, yeah. it's I th- you know, we were still dealing in fiat with this asymmetry of like, just kind of, you know, there's still this asymmetry of what people's baselines are, right? On a Bitcoin standard, yes, people are have a monetary incentive to have a lower time preference. But even on a Bitcoin standard, you're, you're always going to have people that have a higher priority on comfort 
and luxury over, over there. Like, not everybody's going to be a monk meditating on the mountain. There's going to be people living down on the coast in, in, the, uh, in the more, uh, like, surfing and living in a nice expensive hotel and eating good food. It's like, that's not going to go away just because people totally. choose to save in Bitcoin. But, I guess who, who, but who felt like they needed to spend 600 sats per V-byte to get a transaction over the line? Right now, I think that those will always exist too. I would consider them edge cases for Bitcoiners, right? I mean, the, it seems high, but it, I guarantee we're going to see a, a fee environment even crazier than this, like an order of magnitude. Completely agree. Uh, completely, completely agree. I've, it's almost like this uh, should wake us up to what the world will be like when we have like real adoption, right? It's going to be no, like yeah, like yeah. get ready, open your channels because you don't always want to operate on the mainnet. And that is why. I, I think that's really why I started thinking hard, right, about, like, this lightning example, right? Like, and what is, what's the world going to be like in 10 years, right? Maybe your average household might have, you know, might have 15 lightning channels open with the people they do business with. Are you running a lightning node now? In these types of arrangements. I, yes, I do. I don't, I don't think I'm connected to you. You're are you, not are you because, on my peer list? You're not, you're, you're not because I am... Um, at the moment, not visible. Oh, which well, if you if you would like to open a channel, I'd love to open a channel with yes. you. Yes, so that, yeah, when I met you, right, when I met you at um, that first meetup, I was knee deep in the video game that I called Lightning. <laughs> mm. Right, I think I had about forty channels open. Um, I was rebalancing them. I was, you know watching who is paying me routing fees and all that stuff and i think like like right before that meetup i had found this crazy move in the video game which was opening up a channel with wallet of satoshi who basically is like a vacuum suck of liquidity yeah they just suck all the liquidity <laughs> to their side of your channel but they did yeah yep. it's like well it's like finding an easter egg in the game though because like oh my god it's like you know that meme of like Waiting for something to happen, right? You're like, come on, just yeah. do something. Once, once you know how, once you see how the network operates, you can yeah. take advantage of it to balance your channels. So I was having a lot of fun, and I was actually it was at that very meetup where our guy Vic, right, who's like, you know, to me, I love Vic. Vic's awesome. He's like a super librarian, and he knows more about, you know, he's already forgotten more about Lightning than I'll probably ever know. Um, His knowledge set is really impressive because he builds. You know, mm-hmm. um, he's the one that pointed out to me and others that like you know you can get like lightning's not that secure you know you shouldn't have like any more than you, you're willing to get rugged and um you know once i started researching it you know started studying it i'm like shit this is true i definitely aped in a little bit on the lightning this- you were full on the uh, hashtag reckless train Definitely, definitely, definitely. And so I, I eventually just wound it down and realized that if I wasn't going to be actively managing it, I really probably shouldn't be doing much. And now that I'm, so I went, I spent the last two months going through Mastering the Lightning Network, that, that textbook, um, and plan to start building out again. Um, and in that case, definitely think, I definitely think we should have a channel, obviously. I mean, we're like, we actually are technically probably business partners at some level. I'm I'm <laughs> insulted that we don't have a channel open already. Yes. So I have to. I and now. So I have. I I need some. I'm gonna actually need a little tech support from 
somebody probably in our group because now I, I actually don't, my, my node can't, I have two nodes and not, neither of them are findable. <laughs> so I can't even bootstrap them into the network just yet. So I'm not exactly sure what is going on with me. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, I went through a similar thing whenever I started using the Lightning Network. I opened a bunch of random... Well, I mean, back then it was using like the, the, the autopilot function. It was so early that I didn't know who to open channels for. So I just put some, loaded my node with some sats, clicked on autopilot, and it randomly opened these small like 500... Yeah, and it's like I was opening channels for much smaller amounts back then. And yeah, I, I, I've learned my lesson. And at this point, okay, yeah. But, fatter channels to less in, less individual nodes seems to uh, have a much greater success rate for routing hitting, hitting routing payments than but yeah it's like there's a learning curve with setting up a node and getting used to it so well, keep me informed whenever whenever you uh, are up and running yeah, we'll get our channel going definitely will definitely it's, you know, it's funny i remember that first meetup that um, you were talking about how you kept trying to set up a channel with odell's node and you just kept on yeah, he up. closed it over and, and over and over. Yeah, and the more I read about, you know, the more I read about Lightning, it's like it's so different from the way the Bitcoin network operates, right? Because the Bitcoin network is unencrypted and it wants, right? It really wants to share as much information with the network as possible. The Lightning network has so many, so your node has so many rules that, like, if you don't recognize the encoding, even the encoding key of a message is like you just tell that node to go fuck off forever, <laughs> right? It's a yeah. much different like attack surface and a different level of security, a different security model completely, right? Every time a node connects to my node that I don't know who it is, my first thought is, oh, this is this is the Fed node, this is the IRS totally, node. Totally, totally, right? Because that. That's the attack surface in Lightning is that you create payment channels and you collect data from nodes because you at least like it's very hard to see. Um, you can't see beyond like the routing from like adjacent to you, like right before you or right after you. Mm. But if you collect enough information on enough nodes, you really can find out like, you know, you basically can send thousands of mess, thousands of requests and you can determine the capacity of channels by their failures, right? You can determine. Yeah, there's so, de you can suss out details about the network by interacting with nodes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, the world I envision with the farmers and the eggs and the ribeyes would be private channels. Forget routing, and um, you know, it would just be really almost peer-to-peer, -peer, like peer-to-peer -peer lightning, you know. And then so it's the other interesting thing I was talking to to a friend about around this was well okay well what about what if the farmer doesn't need all your sets what if he actually can pass back kind of profit sharing back like you know the csa would want to would want to you know basically pass those um improvements and deflation back to its customers and that's maybe where um community-based custody models might work where you might have a federation that consists of the members of the CSA, and maybe the um, the farmer uses that to send sats back, right, to its community. Mm -hmm. well, we had our first. Uh, to ch so I'm gonna change topics here. Yeah. We had our uh, first write-in question here. You want to uh, yeah. end by uh, going over this write-in question and. Uh, 
Yes. So yeah, our our, our local farmer, he uh, he wrote in. He has one of his one of our farm helpers is skeptical of Bitcoin, thinking it's somehow a government setup to rug people. Uh, he's aware of and will be avoiding CBDCs, and he's bullish on land and trying to position himself to barter more, but has no plan on what to do with CBCs when they take over and needs something he can't barter for. Mm. So there, he's lo- looking for uh, what, what would we say to somebody who's uh, skeptical of Bitcoin because they think it could be uh, rugged by the government? I guess my first answer is being skeptical of Bitcoin is the first step in being a Bitcoiner. Yeah, this is so true. Everybody, every Bitcoiner was skeptical of Bitcoin. Um, and then I guess then it becomes like, how do you pry somebody who doesn't trust anything? Right. There are a couple of, there are some things on earth that you can trust, actually, right? You can trust gravity. Like I can trust that if I drop something, it's going to fall to the floor, right? Mm-hmm. I can actually, yeah, the natural laws. I can trust actually how fast it'll do so. I can trust, yeah, exactly. So I think you got to get to first principles and say, this circle are all the things you don't trust. There's a dot inside that circle, which is things you can trust, okay? Not that you should. You should learn why. You should, you should learn to your own conviction level. So some of these people, there's some people that just are going to take 20 years to get Bitcoin, and that's fine, right? You just got to go, you know, you got to go bit by bit by bit with them to mm. like, so, you know, you get to why is it immutable? Why is, why is it something I, I can trust? What, you know, right? It's not a person, right? It's not a person and it's based on math and you can get that. That's like the long road, unfortunately, but that's just, I guess, how it is with some people, right? Yeah, I mean, I have to, I have to say, I, res- I totally respect this dude's viewpoint and like his skepticism, his caution. It's like there are so many scams in crypto that yeah, looking at it from looking at the digital um, money space from the outside, yeah, it looks incredibly scammy because it is incredibly scammy. So it's that speaks to his level of intelligence to look at it and call call an orange an orange. Like that looks scammy over there. It's like yeah, he's right. It is scammy over here. Like that being said. Bitcoin's not one of those scams. Bitcoin's not a government setup. It's like it's a Bitcoin is a decentralized network of computers that run on open source software, following a set of rules, um, and you can't change those rules without network consensus. So, like, what is Bitcoin at its core? Bitcoin is just an idea. It's an open source idea of how to do money better and how to how to do it in a trustless environment. And like, what is Bitcoin beyond that? Well, Bitcoin is a set of is a set of code instructions to enable this idea into into codified being codified by, uh, and created. Uh, what, what am I trying to say? It's being enforced by by code via it's being enforced by government mandate. Um, and him him looking at Bitcoin could to be a rug pull uh, like. I think so. That that's yeah. assuming the concept of that. Okay, so some entity out there it could be the government owns a bunch of it, and at some point in the future, they could sell a whole bunch of the Bitcoin in exchange for some other asset. And like that's that's a realistic possibility. But I, I like that's not a failure of Bitcoin. That's a feature of Bitcoin. Yes, Bitcoin is an Uber money. That it's an Uber storage of your energy. This is the thing, right? I think uh, like this person. I would say almost. I would say everything they think is actually true. Yeah, and then absolutely. and then once that's all over and accepted, right? There, um, I'd say there's still a not a hundred percent chance, but like a really really high chance that Bitcoin succeeds even after all of that shit actually happens. 
And that's yeah, the thing. Big- I, that's the thing I'd want to like get try to get conviction on. Like, dude, the government will try to do everything you think it will try to do to Bitcoin. It will do everything it can to try to rug pull the users of it. It will do. It will do everything in its power. And then once it's done doing that, then there's just there's just Bitcoiners left doing Bitcoin. Like it doesn't give a shit. I mean, this person is being skeptical of CBDCs. I mean, they, yeah. is they they are right to be skeptical of CBDCs. I mean. A CBDC is a digital currency issued by a central bank with, with the uh, Austin, oh, it's going to be more convenient. It's going to enable faster payments. Um, but a CBDC comes with all of, ba- all of the problems of fiat and centralized control that, that's baked into the CBDC. So, um, yeah. so, so like cent- third-party censorship, they can freeze your money. Um, if you're spending your money on something they don't approve of, they, they, they can disincentivize that in various ways. In There's- contrast... Bitcoin enables you can be anonymous on Bitcoin. You can be private on Bitcoin. Those are those are you cannot by design you cannot be anonymous or private using a CBDC. Um, you don't need to reveal, reveal your identity or any personal information with Bitcoin. You can transact with anybody on anywhere in the world um, with with no all you know about them is the wallet address or the light the Lightning node where you're sending your payment to. Yeah, and here's um, the other thing, right? If you hold your Bitcoin, right? There's no such thing as a rug pull. Yeah, right. You know, a rug a rug pull is a concept that only exists inside the fiat environment, the legacy exactly banking environment. Right. And the government can rug pull you in fiat. They could basically they could drive the price of Bitcoin to a dollar somehow if they want to. They could they, they could do that, right? They could rug pull you in fiat. They cannot rug pull your Bitcoin. Yeah, the the worst thing that the government could do for in Bitcoin, like in terms of Bitcoin, is the government could release an actually sound monetary product that fixes all the problems of the banking sector. Um, but I don't see that as a realistic thing they're going to do. So if if the Fed's offered a better bank, a better banking solution, yeah, that could compete with Bitcoin. But, but in the absence of them doing that, Bitcoin wins. How great would it be if that fantasy ever got realized? I mean. It's never going to happen, but oh my God, I would so much prefer a world where the government outplayed us. Competence, if we had actual like right? competence. Would we rather and, have that? Yeah. Like, I'd rather have the government be like, oh my God, I did not know you had it in you to outplay Bitcoiners, and you're actually running things well now. And you, you that, that's the land of milk and honey, really, right? That's how we yeah. get everything we want without the freaking, you know, without the hardness. It's never that's a fever dream. It's a fantasy. Right. The only reason that's going to happen is that, by the way, so that actually is going to happen, but it's called Bitcoin. Yeah, it's going to happen from yeah. the, the ground that's, up, not from the top down. Bitcoin was, re- was created and foisted onto the world precisely to force, to be a forcing function for that to happen. Because it's, you know, that what happened in 2008 ensured really that that could never, ever, ever happen in the world voluntarily. I think this person, like Satoshi put it best. I was like, this person is uh, like, you, you might want to just maybe get, get a little bit of Bitcoin just in case it catches on. Yeah, I tell people, um, dude, just yeah. get a hundred bucks, would you? Yeah, just 1%. You don't, not even like, it's just yeah, a little bit. Just get a little mm-hmm. bit of skin in the game so you're paying attention to it. Like go on Cash App and just get a hundred dollars and then forget about it. It's like, we'll change your life. I've, dude, maybe, maybe it's getting late here, so, but I, I, I have conversations with people I work with um, who, these kids who work on my team and it's, like now that I start talking about Bitcoin with them, oh my god, I can't believe how the shitcoining disease that's out there among smart people—it's fucking wild. 
Um, it's uh, it's really a litmus test. The, to, the, the, I don't want to say that judging the intelligence of somebody, but it's it, it. The last a person's yeah. stance on shitcoins reveals a lot about their personality. So the last thing, the last thing I say about this guy, right, is it's not just conviction in Bitcoin, but you must. The other thing you need to have is conviction that the current system is is going to zero. Well, right. you need to have conviction in yourself that future you is something worth saving for and worth working to make their life better. Yeah, but this isn't like an abusive marriage where you're like, oh, no, like right now, Jerome Powell and the Fed are like, please, please, guys, I'll be better. I promise. I promise. I promise I'll be good from now on. And they're trying to convince us, right? And, you know, you either are going to buy that shit or you understand that it's not even a promise that's capable of being kept, Right. And so yeah. it, it's like you really, if you're going to be that hard, you know, you're hard in a good way, right? This person we're talking about is a based hard motherfucker who, right, doesn't d- doesn't suffer fools lightly and wants a lot of evidence before they believe in something, right? Mm-hmm. They should be checking this assumption of theirs that the world's going to work out. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't think they have that assumption that the world's <laughs> going to work out. They just they have they have yet to have the revelate like the personal revelation uh, the utility that Bitcoin offers them. Right. And so again, it's like just just in case we're right and you just are maybe a few weeks from getting it, just go on Cash App and get a hundred dollars worth. I mean, or yeah, you're 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 working for a resident farmer. Just just let him send you a couple sats. Yeah, like, exactly. Do, do do an hour of work in exchange for sats, and then the rest of it in in exchange for whatever you want, like your normal payment. I mean, two hundred thousand sats, I think, was the personal world share of Bitcoin, right, by person. Mm, right, if it was all evenly divided. Yeah, and I've had this idea that that might just be enough to actually let people understand what prop, what public, sorry, what private property really is. Right, you can mm. get yourself two hundred thousand sets, and maybe it just literally lets you visualize what it means to own something. Right, I'm optimistic for his future. Ask, asking these questions Hell. shows shows that he's coming from the right right perspective. We'll have to bring so, him yeah, on. Fut- bring him on the show at some point in time. Future Bitcoiner just doesn't know it yet. That so that was wanna- the question from uh, AC was how do we how do you talk to somebody like how do you, how do you even talk to somebody like that. That was the question. Basically, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know what? You know what? I, I know Bitcoiners do this, but they don't talk about it. It's going to sound uh, corny. You have to, like, love these people. You really must love the person you're trying to orange pill, even if you don't know them. You have to, like, connect with them in a, lo- like a really like a loving, caring, loving way. You have to respect them. I mean, that's one of the well, things built into the Bitcoin network is, like, if some... If somebody else has chosen to operate inside the Bitcoin network, I'm immediately going to offer the like extend them a level of respect based on their their clear intelligence level of intelligence. Yes. So you want you have to really want them to win, but you also have to really get where they're at. And mm-hmm. it, you know what I mean? You have to give them the space to be a human being, right? And that they're you have to also trust that you're going to plant this seed and they're going to start chewing on it. But they're only going to do that if they actually think you care about them. Uh, the the old adage yeah it's like right if if you're clearly hostile it you have to, you have to judge your audience and know yeah but know when to push and when not to push when to yeah right 
but it's like yeah they're either gonna forget about you forever and say you know fuck this guy or right they might actually wake up the next day and be like shit man i don't have a lot of options this you know and they may never think about you but they may think about your idea you because you will not have killed it by <laughs> right by not granting them humanity I think I've mentioned this before, but yeah, and in my life, I found the best way to be a Bitcoin ambassador is just to live my life in such a way that people are forced, like, what's different about that person? Yeah. What, what's going on with them? Why, why are they the way they are? I was like, oh, well, let, let me tell you about Bitcoin. <laughs> well, like, it's so different on Twitter where, fuck, love it. You don't love anybody, right? You kind of like have to, Twitter works the way it works and it, it's a feature, not a bug, right? Mm -hmm. But like when we go into meet space and we're face to face with people. Like, it's important that I think we train ourselves to, you know, care about, I would say, just find a loving place to and care about people we're talking to, right? It matters. I think it matters a lot. And I think that's an interesting dichotomy, right? But I can, yeah. and this maybe wraps up the show because we started with brick and mortar and building things on brick and mortar. And, you know, it's an entirely different living model. I think in brick and mortar, and maybe that's something we're gonna have to figure out. Gonna build a castle. Build a castle. Gonna build it high. Build it high. Gonna build it brick by brick and stone by stone till it reaches up to the sky. When the sun goes down and the wind gets cold, we'll be warm inside. Still be standing when the world is all but gone.